0: listening to cinema jaw the greatest movies podcast ever recorded on location from various places in america my name is matt kay and with me is
1: rye the movie guy and sitting alongside us is fill me in phil hello this week on cinema jaw matt we have what we like to call a review-o-rama review-o-rama this is when we have three or more reviews what reviews do we have this week We have Indiana Jones
0: and the Dial of Destiny, Extraction 2, and No Hard Feelings.
1: Great little batch of films. This is going to be very exciting to talk about these films. Unfortunately, due to family uh, interference, let's call it, Matt was not able to see Dial of Destiny yet. So I got to do that review solo.
0: I'm sure Heather will really appreciate you calling her Girls' Night Family Interference. (laughs)
1: that's what we call it here on cinema jaw family Family interference interference.
0: yeah (laughs) my wife had something to do imagine that
1: but we are going to talk about no hard feelings which is why we're celebrating jennifer lawrence month which is the last week we are celebrating the great jennifer lawrence no guests this week matt you are up in michigan as we record so we're not in our our cinema jaw studio no guests we are going to play stump the kabinski this week the Topic in honor of Indy Jones is Harrison Ford movie trivia.
0: I'm ready. And just so you know, speaking of being in Michigan, hanging out with my sister, she brought it up again. She really wants to uh to 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 pit us against one another in trivia and play host. Oh,
1: nice. Nice. That got that got is it. gonna go down then at some point.
0: This is her cinema jaw fantasy. We have to like fulfill it.
1: It's just I don't want another Kabinsky involved in this, but well, like I mentioned, if it has to happen, it has to happen. Technically, she's not a Kabinsky. Hmm. Technically, she's been married. Anymore.
2: Changed her name, right? Nay Kubinski
0: an ex, an ex Kubinski.
1: Well, let's kick things off with a Jennifer Lawrence fact. We've been having some great ones this month. Let's see what ha- what Phil has for us this week yes
2: yes uh i this is something that uh who was it one of the jawheads had written in when we had asked about best jennifer lawrence performances Uh, i think i'm pretty sure uh but before becoming an actress jennifer lawrence kicked off her career uh in media and in hollywood by starring on promo promotional commercials for the mtv reality show my super sweet 16 Uh, uh and And the program itself was tailored uh, around 16-year-olds getting birthdays that they, quite frankly, do not deserve. Uh, And emphasis on 16-year-olds, a little dirty secret that we were able to look up. A a Hollywood inside scoop is that Jennifer was only 14 at the time, so we've been
1: lied to. Mm, mm. These atrocities must stop. What's odd is normally it's high school students, especially in movies, it's older kids playing high school students. In this case, it was a 14 year- old acting as a 16 year old.:
0: something that, Yes that, yes, that, you're correct. There, there's something a little creepy about that, honestly.
2: It really is. yeah, yeah. It, why? I feel like it's weirder for a grown adult to play someone in high school.
0: It's I I don't know. The whole the whole show is is kind of gross and and materialistic. Yes.
1: Yeah. I I can say I never seen My Sweet 16 or whatever it's called Super 16.
0: I I've, I've listen. There were there were evenings back in the day when we actually watched television and we didn't have YouTube and stuff where I would just have MTV on. And I don't think I've ever watched an episode, but I've definitely seen the commercials. Don't remember Jennifer Lawrence specifically, but the show looked Like, it wasn't made for me.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: I was already in my 20s. and (laughs) Of course. Well, dude, you were watching MTV in your 20s, weren't you? Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. But of course, in in your 20s, you you don't want to watch something about my super sweet 16 or whatever the hell it's
0: called. They They were trying to capture a younger demographic. Didn't work out so well for MTV. They're off the air. They are off the air. They are off the air. The Dead Kennedy song finally came true. MTV, get off the air.
1: But we, we, we do still have the MTV Music Awards, that seem to be an important thing. So, the VMAs, yeah, yeah, the VMAs, those still roll on. They do, they do, and hey,
0: music videos do lead to uh, the discovery of some amazing filmmakers. Spike Lee, for example, uh, S- Spike Jones. No, pardon Spike, me. Jones. Pardon yeah. me. Yes. Spike Jones. Yeah, uh, Spike Jones. Yeah, so I- I'm glad that that continues.
1: Absolutely. Well, that was our last Jennifer Lawrence fact. And we were celebrating her this month because she has a new raunchy comedy out entitled No Hard Feelings.
0: Yes. And I'm going to admit it right here in the intro, Ryan. I am a Jennifer Lawrence fan, not because she's a beauty, even though she is not because she's an award winner, even though she is. She just feels down to earth. We've been discussing this all month. Whether that quality is genuinely real or meticulously manicured, it's it's irrelevant. I'm a fan because I can imagine being her friend, and that's so rare. So when I saw the trailer for No Hard Feelings a while back, I was very intrigued. This is a different type of role for Jennifer. True, she has dipped her toes into comedy more than once, but here she is in a broad comedy in the tone of a film whose title should begin with the word bad, as in bad Santa or bad teacher reprehensible people comedy to coin a genre what an interesting role for lawrence to take and a risky one plus the trailer made me laugh out loud but would those be the only laughs ryan and i hit the theater to find out
1: i'm an uber driver and i don't have a car
2: come on up His parents said if I, quote, date their son, they'd give me a Buick Regal. Well,
0: you won't even rent your house out, but now you're going to rent out your badge.
2: You have a Roadrunner tattoo covering your entire back. I don't think you should tell anybody what to do with their body. Nope.
0: All right, Ryan, let's start out with the synopsis. On the brink of losing her home, Maddie, played by Lawrence, finds an intriguing job listing. Helicopter parents looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college. She has one summer to make him a man or die trying. Maddie promises to date his brains out. Wackiness ensues. What I want to start off asking you is, Ryan, does this concept work?
1: Helicopter parents hire a woman to sleep with their son. Well, it's based on a true story. The Craigslist what? ad. Yes, the Craigslist ad is real. That is where the genesis of this script came from. Wow, what an interesting fact. I did not know that. True story. And and there's a line in the movie about helicopter parents willing to do anything for the kids that they're even willing to F them themselves if they had to. And obviously, that's played for laughs. I I had no problem believing in the premise. It it worked for me. Um, As for Lawrence taking on this risque role, as uh, you call it, loved it. I don't want to see the raunchy comedy go away. I also want to point out the chemistry she had with Andrew Barth Feldman. The whole movie rests on their chemistry. This dorky kid and this very sexy and sex-positive character that Lawrence plays have to sort of collide and then have a, a a bond and that worked for me
0: she's sexy in a clumsy way right she's not like like a femme fatale or something like that she's she's
1: a goof uh right yeah cuz I agree her, with you her, yeah her her character in general is is just a goof and and like somewhat i mean obviously she has issues with intimacy and commitment and She's kind of goofy in, in general, but she's trying to act sexy in the movie.
0: Right. Which is what makes it funny. Her, she's, right. that she's trying to be
1: sexy. She's so over the top sexy.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. It, it, I, I thought it, it was a good turn for her. Um, so we mentioned the helicopter parents, and I think this is actually what most people will walk away from this movie thinking about. What's up with Gen Z? And, and and have we really gotten to this point with helicopter parenting? Like, is this, is this,
1: you, you did not find the concept far-fetched. Right. I, I did not. And, and as far as the subtext goes of the movie, where I would actually concentrate on not so much the parents and, and Gen Z, but Gen Z and the millennials is where I think the subtext uh, is at. And, and it's interesting today, before we hit record, I was going over to see how the uh, Rotten Tomato scores are on this because, spoiler alert, I'm positive on this one. But I wasn't sure where, where fellow critics were going to land overall, you know. So right. I was going going through Rotten Tomatoes and I pulled a quote that I found very interest- interesting from uh, a critic, uh, Leslie Felprin on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And the quote is this. It's one of the first comedies to foreground the millennials versus Gen Z culture clash, contrasting Maddie's sex positive but callow confidence with Percy's intense fragility. Now, I myself like laughing at millennials. And I think this was one of the first times I was able to here. Um,
0: <laughs> so, so what you're saying is as a, as a bitter old Gen Xer, you you just like the fact that the two generations after you are now fighting each other, <laughs> right? That the so, millennials are coming of age; they're old now.
1: And we're we're going to get to to this when we talk about break down a couple of scenes. But there's a party scene in here where Jennifer Lawrence has to go to this party, and it's full filled with millennials. And we'll discuss that a little bit more. But I think there, I was not expecting there to be so much subtext in this in a movie that I. I was going in thinking it was just going to be a flat out raunchy comedy. Right. And I was shocked that there was more substance to this. It was trying to say something. I'm not going to go so far as to say it, it made some, you know, unbelievable statement or the subtext is the reason why you want to see the movie. You want to see it for the comedy. But I was happy that there was something else to latch onto, something to talk about. And I think it was making a point in its own way. Uh, and I think a, a positive point that, that we can talk about
0: yeah frankly, uh, we can talk about it if you want but i I don't know how to untangle it like i I don't know if there is necessarily a solution other than to just laugh at it, but there are two well, go ahead you you wanna well, talk I, about I,
1: it well just a, a little bit okay. in, in in the sense that the film even exists there me you and I believe phil off air had a conversation I think we were walking um when we were talking maybe it was after a podcast and and you were mentioning that you think. The, the raunchy comedy is going to come back in a big way. Like the, the pendulum has swung one way. Everybody's so uptight and you, you can't, you know, make jokes, sex jokes anymore, that it's going to eventually swing back the other way and we're going to get this, you know. Well, I mean, it does. Revival of the raunchy comedy. Sure. Perhaps, perhaps. But even the 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 way this exists, the film exists, I think is... In contrast to the at least the the vibe that the millennials are, are giving off, how so? Well, in, in the sense that they're uptight about making a lot of a laughter. You know, like you can't make jokes anymore about certain things without getting canceled. And this pops up in the movie. She she makes a, a crude joke at one time, and they're like, "Say it again," and they pull out their phones, like millennials do. Those are the they Gen wanted-
0: Zers, dude. Those are the high school kids doing that.
1: They they want to they want to get everybody on uh, on film. Right, right. But you're mixing up the the, the sorry, generation. I'm mixing up the two. Yes, right. I, I am mixing up the two. But the Gen Zers are pulling out their their phones, and uh, they want to um, they want to film Jennifer Lawrence making this crude joke, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I I think that's part of it. Is like that the the movie even exists. I think is a good thing.
0: I guess I mean it, it's so funny how true it is because like I, I don't want to I'm dancing around spoilers here but you come to find out that the party which seems like this this rager right there's like a keg there's people running around with fireworks and uh, you know you walk into any raunchy comedy from the 80s or even 90s and you you've been to this party at, uh, in other movies and then the parents are there you know. Which is so? It's like, yeah, of course the parents are there, you know. Like, it it just rings true, and it's sad. It's sad. Like it is. I, I walked away kind of down in a way, even though I had a really great time and I thought the movie
1: was hilarious. It's like, oh, what have we become? You know? Right. And and I know I've talked to this. I I don't have kids, and and but I've talked to people who do have kids, and even you, to the degree of parents hanging out with their kids so much more. And right. not, we, we, I don't think parents realize that they're not letting the kids be free enough. And what what that means ultimately and how they grow up and their experience of growing up. You know, I, I grew up going out to a lake house. I'd be in a rowboat. My brother and cousin were five years older than me. and And we would go out on a rowboat. I must have been like eight and they were 13. We had no life preservers. We had fireworks with us. Probably stole a couple of you know hams, cold beer from my dad's thirty pack, and my brother and cousin would would drink a beer each and think it was so cool. And I'd be blowing off. You know, the parents didn't know anything. Like this just would not happen anymore. You know?
0: No, no, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. And and it's an interesting movie because of that.
1: Yeah, and not not that I think I had bad parents by the way either. I'm, now my cousins are at this lake house, and and we joke about how they know where their kids are at all times. It, it, it's you know. Yeah, I would and never we let tra- my.
0: We do track our kids and stuff like that. Yes, right. so you'll you'll if you're a parent or anybody like a young person walking away from this movie will will make you think uh, at least to some extent. But so so can
1: we talk about? There's a nude scene. Oh my in this god! Movie. Okay, that's exactly and, and, where I
0: was going next. There's, okay, there's, there's two there's amazing a nude,
1: scenes. <laughs> there's a nude fight scene in this. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence kicks butt in the nude. <laughs> she gets into a fist fight with three
0: teenagers. In the buff in her birthday suit, and there's a there's a she she beats one of them with a fish. I believe
1: they're carrying a fish right or something. I didn't know what she beat the person with. I wasn't quite positive if that was a fish. I had no idea what I don't, was going yeah, okay. on. I was laughing so hard and then she she
0: gets she gets punched in the groin, which <laughs> this fight scene okay first of all the the fact that Jennifer Lawrence just walks into frame in the buff is a bit bit of a shock you know i mean uh and then you get used to it and then the fact that she's having a fist fight naked and this is like a drag (laughs) down fight she's fighting three
1: people what a scene this has got to be the fist fight of the year for me so so the the movie went for a couple of like really big laughs this isn't the only one where it goes for absolutely outrageous uh, comedy situations. I'm not positive they all worked. I thought this one worked rather well. There's one that's in the previews where you see um, the train, the, the the train Percy on the top of the car driving, and they're trying to like cross over the railroad tracks. And then there's even another wild scene with uh, somebody else on the hood of a car. I'll, I'll won't spoil that one for you. So they went for some very outrageous comedy moments. I only think the the nude fist fight really worked where it hit like that, you know, everybody in the theater laughing out loud funny. The other ones were kind of like, oh, my God, this is almost too bizarre. Not that I didn't laugh, but it, it didn't quite hit the, the high comedy notes. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. There's some stuff that didn't work for
0: me, too. Um,
1: can we, speaking of Percy,
0: talk about the the man-eater scene? Because I think that's the other side of the whole Gen Z coin how how insulated they are but they they've all grown up with with uh YouTube tutorials at their fingertips so you talk about a song and then the next day you see them there's this amazing performance of Hall & Oates Man on the piano in the in the the prom date scene that was kind of unexpected and it was a really like kind of a
1: poignant moment in the film it was
0: it it's was a pivot touched. right
1: yeah I was touched. Hats off. We're, we're celebrating Jennifer Lawrence this month. This is the power of Jennifer Lawrence because, yes, Percy can sing, right? He's talented. But the camera actually focuses on Lawrence's reaction to how talented he is, and she completely sells the scene. And you're drawn into the moment, and it caught me off guard. Usually something – the the movie, on a downside, is very formulaic in, in overall – I thought I would have normally saw this coming, that this would have been the song that he played. But when he got up to play the piano, I had no clue. Well, A, I didn't think he was going to sing. I thought he was just going to actually play the piano, like, you know, maybe classical music. And he goes for that song. And it was like, oh, my God, right. This makes sense. And the focus then is on Jennifer. And and she completely draws you in. It it actually makes everybody, I think, a little bit of, you know, emotional watching the scene.
0: Yeah. That's, she takes it to heart because she starts to think about the lyrics and what they mean about her and her character.
1: Yeah. And, and speaking of her, you think this was a good movie for her? Yeah, I
0: think so. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a little strange that she's taking on a role where her character is like supposed to be the old one over the hill. Now, granted, she's playing against a 19-year-old guy. Uh, so yeah, compared to 19, I guess 32 is old. But Jennifer Lawrence is far from past her prime. You know what I mean? So that, I thought, was a little odd. Like, if she was in her 40s, I mean, it would have made the movie weirder. But then I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. But that, to me, was a little... I didn't like that as much because I think that speaks to the old Hollywood machine. Like, And maybe that was their point. But, like, how, how female actresses are less valuable after their 30th birthday or something. I was like, eh, I don't know about that.
1: Well, as we learned, one of our first facts from Phil this month was that she had a baby. She'd been sure. somewhat out of the spotlight for a, a little bit. I, I think this was more of a strategic move than, than we think. It, she probably saw the material and liked it and wanted to do it just for the comedy chops. But it also was a great way to come back into the Hollywood spotlight and, and play this sexy character that a lot of people are going to see and still remember. Oh, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is sexy, funny, smart, you know. Her character is really putting the spotlight here. And I I think not only does it work for this movie, I think it does help her, you know, the next two, three film roles she's going to get. But this is not the typical Jennifer Lawrence
0: role. Aside from, like, Hunger Games and obviously the X-Men films, or, you know, maybe not the first one, she did largely, like, awards contender type movies you know if they didn't win they were at least in the conversation or at least you mm-hmm. can tell they were taking a swing and she did big serious roles some of them were funny like american hustle and stuff like that but for the most part even though funny ones were like in award type movies this is not that this is it's fair to say a step down or at least a step in a different direction i think it is risky i think it was bold and, and I support it. I, I like it. I hope it turns out to be a good move for her.
1: I, I do, too. I mean, I'm, again, going back to the the subject of just a, an A-lister, her level taking on a raunchy comedy like this doesn't happen all that often. You oh, know? hardly ever. And so I'm just glad to see that somebody had the, the guts to say, yep, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this movie. And if she doesn't go in completely... You know, full on, the movie doesn't work. She has to absolutely go for it. Well, she and did a complete fight it. scene.
0: I mean, <laughs> I know.
1: And it so, much hats, off, hats off to her. She committed fully to this. And I think because the chemistry that she has uh, with Piercy in the movie, I mean, I, it, it works. It works for me.
0: All right. But well, let's talk about the, the ending without spoiling it. I thought I thought the ending was a little unsatisfying. Where this movie leaves you. And I guess it's a little tough in comedy, so maybe that's not a fair criticism, but it doesn't exactly like wrap everything up in a bow. I was like, meh, with the ending.
1: So I, I wouldn't say unsatisfied, but I, I would say it didn't hit like the high marks that I, I would have hoped for the film. But this comes back to the problem, I, I would say if I'm nitpicking here, is that the movie is just too formulaic all the way around. We, we sort of can see where it's going to go just exactly how it's it's going to end is kind of the question, what's up in the air. But I don't know, beat for beat, as we got into that last, like, 30 minutes, it was like, yeah, okay, we, we see what's going to happen here. Um, you know, I don't want to spoil everything, but characters find out certain things it completely makes sense. Like, I saw this coming, and I think the ending, it, it's tough to end something as bizarre as their relationship already was, having, you know... A, a 31, I, I think if I did the math when, when she was trying to explain her age to uh, Matthew Broderick's character, I should mention Matthew Broderick, Broderick plays the helicopter parent. When she was trying to explain how old she was to him, I believe the math comes out to 31 and a 19-year-old you know, kid. It was going to be messy how they were going to leave it off anyways. Yeah, so. this is true. This is true. How about some jaw dropping moments matt i I know you mentioned the nude fight scene anything else out there or you want to elaborate a little bit more on the nude scene i I know you were nonstop talking about no, that i don't want <laughs> I don't want to
0: elaborate and listen I don't want people to get the wrong idea like yeah of course i'm uh gonna be interested in in uh a nude scene like that but that's not it it's just funny it's 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 funny how much she totally committed to having a nude fight scene. It was like it was like a wrestling match too. It was pretty intense. It was hilarious. Any others? Well, there is the 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 punch scene, um,
1: right? Well, which that's is right my, in the
0: trailer. Okay, go right. ahead then.
1: So so that's that's the party scene that happens in this this party scene with the the Gen Zers, and I I, I laughed and I I liked the movie as I, I mentioned because it was starting to make you know. A few points here uh, about them, the Gen Zers, when I say them, uh, filming everything because they're they're offended by, you know, a joke that she says. And she even says to them, you guys, I'm joking. I'm making a joke. Like, leave it alone. Then later it gets punched in the throat. The parents are at the party. All hilarious. And one other note. she I love that she goes into the party thinking she's going to fit in with this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> She clearly thinks she's going in and, and no one's really going to call her out for being older at this party. And the minute she steps in there, somebody calls her ma'am. Yeah, oh, okay. is that hysterical? Whose
0: mom is that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it still made me laugh. I, I remember when I went uh, back to my college, Illinois State, the beautiful Illinois State with my buddy Neil. I think we went for like a basketball game years after we had graduated. And then we went to a bar and I remember still thinking like, well... You know, maybe we'll find out where the after party's at. In my mind, I'm still thinking like I'm a college kid, right? And I was at the bar and somebody called me sir, and it was one of the first times, you know? I was like, sir, what? What? Yeah. Call Jeez, me I'm, dude, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm like 28. <laughs> Come on, cut me some slack.
1: <laughs> yeah, good stuff.
0: Movie poster quote. All right. Lewd, crude, and socially unacceptable. Thank
1: God. <laughs> Thank God, indeed. I went with Jennifer Lawrence nails this role hard <laughs> how many jaws right i went dusting off the quarter jaw 2.75 so 2.
0: wow 2.75 get out of my brain right the movie guy that's exactly where i landed <laughs> 2.75 oh, oh. this is not quite a three jaw movie it there are some major flaws uh well let's call them minor flaws there's flaws okay but yes but this is definitely not middle of the road. It's a slice above th-
1: 2.75. It's a recommend for me. It definitely recommend for me too. I was glad, like I said, I was worried waiting to see if I was off on this because I had already written down what I wanted to say about it and assigned my 2.75 jaws. And I thought, you know, I'm going to pull up that Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I'm, I'm fearing that it was going to be like 16% rotten. Glad to say at the time I checked it, we were at like 65% fresh. So I think... That's where it should land, you know? It it should be fresh. So, good stuff. No hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence playing in theaters now, Jawheads. Let us know what you think when you see it. Shoot us a tweet or our email, feedback at cinemajaw.com. Another big movie opening up on the 30th, Matt, is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's been 15 years 15 years since the last time we saw our favorite archaeologist crack his whip on the big screen. Back in 2008, when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, we already thought Harrison Ford was too old to make the adventure. That film left a bad taste in our mouths. No one wants to see Indy go out on a sour note. So here we are with a fifth, and I think final installment. One major difference? No Steven Spielberg directing this time. Instead, we get James Mangold, who previously gave us Walk the Line, Logan, Ford v Ferrari, among others. Can Mangold write the ship for Doctor Jones, or should have this franchise been left in a tomb? I hit the theater to find out.
2: Well, in that case, what are we drinking?
0: Same for the goddaughter.
2: Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy?
1: He'll move. I need to get out of here.
2: Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him.
1: Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny opens up with a flashback to 1944. We get a de-aged Harrison Ford that I thought looked pretty good. However, the voice of the 80-year-old actor did not match the younger image on screen. Slight issue with that. What unfolds is a fun train sequence that that features none other than Toby Jones, one of our favorite character actors here on the show. It also features Mads Mikkelsen, who plays a very convincing Nazi. Flash forward 25 years to 1969, and Indiana Jones is now elder and about to retire from his teaching job when one last adventure pops up. Let's start with the good news. No Shia LaBeouf. No is silly that, action scenes. Okay. I was just going
0: to say, is that, is that good news? I mean, I didn't think he was terrible.
1: Anyway, go on. No silly action scenes that sees people swinging from the trees. 80-year-old Ford holds his own when it comes to the actions on screen. He's aided by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who plays his goddaughter, and someone who is also interested in finding the dial of destiny. The two of them had good chemistry together. Mads Mikkelsen is a fantastic villain. This overall felt like a return to form for Indiana Jones. However... The energy and movie magic that made the series so special is missing. The best way I can describe it is like seeing your favorite band when they are younger and rocking arenas compared to seeing that same band when they're older and still playing. Gone is the vitality that made them stand out. It's as if they are a cover band covering themselves. I think James Mangold and Harrison Ford gave us a great Indiana Jones adventure here. One that will play great years from now on a rainy Sunday when an Indiana Jones marathon is playing. But if you're hoping to be blown away like you were back in the 1980s, you're going to be a little disappointed. All that said, I'm still recommending Dial of Destiny and had fun with it. It just hit different this time. Uh...
0: They missed an opportunity to get short round back in this, you know?
1: Well, just won the Oscar, right? I know. That would have been... Should have got him in? Freaking A, yeah. But in a way, I'm glad that they didn't... I, I don't need all the nostalgia gimmicks. Fair Indiana enough. Indiana Jones itself is nostalgia. There, There's the moments of the hat and the whip that are going to pop up and... There's your nostalgia do we get a shadow? Do we get the shadow of him putting on the hat? No, I mean not not overly you know like we're really? specific looking right at it, but um there's a lot of uh angles shot in a in a very jam uh Spielberg way that gives you the idea of like again almost like it's a a cover band covering themselves as I described it. It's almost like yeah, it is Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones and mangold pulled off what i think is a really fun adventure it just felt like they're they're trying to make an indiana jones and not just be an indiana jones if that makes sense the way i'm describing it
0: uh kind of yeah so um i want to ask about the plot the 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 dial of destiny itself was was this satisfactory i mean was this i mean cuz they're not necessarily about the plot right it's about the adventure
1: Right. I, okay, I, I, we, we did a, a retro review of uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull yeah. uh, recently for our Patreons. And in there, I was talking about how I did like the actual adventure part of trying to find the Crystal Skull. Yeah, it's got some good parts. All of these Indiana Jones movies have to have the, this moment where they're trying to get the artifact. And I thought they did a great job in this one of actually trying to track down the dial, what the dial is possibly capable of. You know, everybody has their theories of what the dial can do, but no one's sure if it would actually work until they could put the dial together. Small spoiler, it's in two parts, so they need to find two different parts of the dial. And so once they can pull this off, would it actually work? No one's quite sure. It's just theory. And that that's sort of the mystery of, of what's going to take place um obviously avoiding spoilers here and i I was satisfied with the relic and the dial itself i thought it was pretty damn cool all right we talked
0: a little bit about fan service and nostalgia and you said we get the hat we get the whip do any other elements and you don't have to spoil what what elements specifically but do we get any other old characters references um, yes
1: i'm not going to spoil but we do we get some we get some of everything so uh there is a, a a joke in here by indiana jones that literally had me laugh i mean harder than i've ever laughed in, in indiana jones um and it it would it's only funny let me put it this way if you've seen the other indiana jones movies so yes there are callbacks there's nostalgia there's the john williams score oh yeah it, he's, it, he's it all back. works Right. It all works uh, as far as the nostalgia goes. That's why I'm saying you don't need short round. You don't need to bring back Kate Capshaw and all. You know, leave it as is. Um, they're giving us plenty of an, uh, enough just seeing Indiana Jones on the screen one more time. So as far as nostalgia goes, that that was I had my cup full, if you will.
0: Okay. You you hinted at you think this is the last one. It seems pretty definitive with, with Harrison Ford being in his 80s.
1: But the reason I, I don't want to ever say never is... We're talking about a main major franchise in Hollywood. <laughs> and yes, Harrison Ford's 80, but he's in pretty damn good shape. So I, I, you never know with Indiana Jones. I would have, I if you would have asked me if I thought Last Crusade was the end, I would have said that was the end. And then if you would have said Crystal Skull was the end, I would have said that's the end. I'm learning my lesson. So at this point, I'm just going to say I think more than likely, but I'm, I'm never saying 100% with Indiana Jones.
0: Do we recast Jones?
1: You asked this when we did our retro review, and I, I, I'm sticking with my answer. I'd rather them just come up with a new archaeologist and and do their own thing, and and just leave Indiana Jones alone, and more or less rip off the same idea, but come up with a new character and a new theme. And we did that already. It was called the
0: Whip National Treasure. I want Indiana but, Jones. I don't think Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. He gave a lot to the character. Other actors have played the character. It's time for another big screen actor to step in and, and take on Jones on the big screen. That's my mm. two cents. If I get hate mail, that's fine. That's fine. That's just my opinion. How many... Jaws jaw, you,
1: uh, jaw-dropping moment. Let's go to a jaw-dropping moment, Ryan. Do you got one? So I mentioned John Williams' score. It's It's got to be one of his best. Uh, you know, the, the guy is an absolute genius. The guy who does, you know, Star Wars, Superman, Jurassic Park, the Harry Potter themes, everything. The guy really is written. He's a the genius. Music for yeah, the, he's a musical it, genius. Unbelievable. But all of that said, when I hear the Indiana Jones theme going when the movie is is playing, I thought to myself, this has got to be in his top two or three. It, it's just so recognizable that and, and so great. Wars. I yeah. love it. Yep, I, I, I love the the theme. So that was a jaw dropping moment. Just hearing the 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 theme of Indiana Jones, and there's this really fun tuk tuk chase scene where Indiana uh, Jones and for the people out there that don't know what a tuk tuk is, it's these little little carts, usually a three wheeler with a, a wheel one in the front and two in the back, and it's like a rickshaw. It, it, Kinda. Right. But it's a you know a gas or an electric, in, in this case, a gas uh, tuk-tuk. And I've been in a, a tuk-tuk in uh, Thailand and almost died uh, because the traffic over there is insane. But I don't think these tuk-tuks could go nearly as fast as Jones had these things going. But it's still a fun sequence all through these crazy streets you know just like what you want out of indiana jones jumping from tuk-tuk to tuk-tuk yeah how does he Who's look here do, there
0: how does he look during the action sequences pretty good or
1: I, I i thought Mangold did a really good job here there's no doubt it's it's a body double in, in every single action sequence um and and there are maybe one or two where it's like oh boy that's almost came off cheesy where it's like the guy's running you got the back to jones clearly not Harrison Ford, he punches somebody, he jumps over something, and then he turns the corner. And the first time we see the face is after he turns the corner and, and the camera then catches him. And yeah, obviously it's a cut. And then it's like, oh, it's Indiana Jones. It's Harrison Ford. One or two of those where it looked cheesy. But in general, when they're jumping around the tuk-tuks and doing the action, creative edits to make it look like it's always Harrison Ford doing his own stunts. They did pretty well there. Okay. You got a movie poster quote? I went with a better send-off than Crystal Skull.
0: Thank God.
1: How many mm. jaws? Two and a half jaws. Two okay. and a half jaws for Indiana Jones. I I do think. I do think that it's not going to play probably as great right now. I, I I just have the feeling that everybody's so pumped sometimes for a, a big movie like this that maybe expectations are almost too high. Mm-hmm. But. I think in the long run, going back to like in a few years when they're playing a, a Indiana Jones marathon, this is going to fit perfect with the other three. Not is you know,
0: not crystal skull,
1: right? But fits perfect with the other three. So I'm I'm happy with that. That's so. good. At least it fits
0: in with the Jones canon.
1: Indiana Jones opens up on the thirtieth. Jawheads, let us know what you think when you see it. Write us a a tweet at Jaw or an email, feedback at CinemaJaw.com. We didn't throw one thing into the fish tank, and so no, I'm going to give Phil something to work on because you are really hung up on this Jennifer Lawrence nude scene. I am just, not. Just double check if it was a body double or if it was Jennifer Lawrence. What do we got here, Phil? We know it's a body double jumping from tuk-tuk to tuk-tuk for Harrison Ford. Was it a body double for Jennifer Lawrence on, on the beach? I'm just wondering, Matt. I already know. Ooh, ooh, he knows the answer. Well, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to find out the answer from Phil. And we have a review of Extraction 2, plus some Harrison Ford movie trivia. Stick with us. We close out Jennifer Lawrence Month with a clip from American Hustle. In this clip, she just blew up her microwave by putting metal in the microwave. And here comes Christian Bale to find out what happened, and comedy ensues.
0: I told you not to put metal in the science of them. What'd you do that for?
2: Don't make such a big deal. Just get another one.
0: I don't want another one. I want the one that
2: Carmine gave me. Oh, Carmine. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Carmine, Carmine. Why don't you just
1: marry Carmine, get a little gold microwave and put it on a chain around your neck? You want to be more like Carmine? Why don't you build something like he does? Instead of all your empty deals, it's just like your fucking science oven. You know, I read that it takes all of the nutrition out of our food. It's empty, just like your
2: deals. Empty, empty. That's bullshit. It's not bullshit. I read it in an article. Look, by Paul Berdoer Bring something into this house that's gonna take all the nutrition out of our food and then light our house on fire? Thank God for me. Drink, 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 sing, dandy, dandy. dandy.
1: And we are back on Cinema Jaw. Before we talk Extraction 2, and before we play some trivia, we threw one big question into the fish tank right before we went to break. Let's open up that fish tank. Wait a moment!
2: It's fish,
1: isn't it? DC? Wake up! Wake up! No,
2: Pat, it's a giant glass bowl. Hey, get some fish, folks. Who's coming with me besides... Flipper, here. That's a message. It means look sleeps with the fishes. you to need a bigger boat. Thank you so much for letting me out. We did only have one. It was really great. Uh, Ryan did that thing where like, he grabbed a little bit, a, a teeny pinch of fish food, and sprinkled it into the fish tank for me. Uh, not a lot, but enough to satiate my belly. Okay? Uh, and I we love that. I'm so happy and so grateful. Uh, it was... It was something that was uncomfortable to look up because the question is was Jennifer Lawrence nude in the uh no hard feelings beach fight scene and i'm not like with it enough to think things through like this so my gut reaction was Jennifer Lawrence nude and that did not that i didn't i'm sorry <laughs> Jennifer i'm very sorry hope yeah uh, safe search turned on never are you what kind of, how do you think i get this research you think this comes from imdb don't answer that uh <laughs> But yes, uh it she that was her. She was full front. That was there was no body double. That was Jennifer Lawrence. Uh wow. I, I guess she was uh, in an interview saying that she was more comfortable doing stuff with her body since um uh, uh Red, Red Sparrow. Uh yeah, that's that's
1: that's oh, just yeah. Jennifer.
0: I forgot about Red Sparrow. Yeah, that was uh, It's
2: forgettable, that's why.
0: I actually enjoyed Red Sparrow. Mm. Thought it was kind of like a a sexy spy noir kind of thing. It was good. All right, I'm not going to say it was films. good. I'm going to say I enjoyed
2: it.
1: Well, we found out that it was Jennifer Lawrence. No body double used. Yeah. While, while we're in the fish tank, next week on the show, Matt, mm. vacation. Cinema Jaw is on vacation. So oh, I thought you meant no, we
0: were going to review the vacation movies.
1: No, 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 no. No new Jaw next week. Maybe we'll play an old one for the Jawheads. I, I was talking to someone... Uh, earlier today and i brought up that we had colt cabana on the show when we did our live show at steppenwolf theater yeah that was a long time ago maybe we'll play that for the jawheads out of the archives we haven't
0: done like a rerun on the feed in years like years like there's probably
1: so many new listeners that never heard us do that live show at steppenwolf and maybe it would be interesting to play
0: okay that's just a thought let's but i mean i kind of want to listen to it first to make sure it's not totally crap <laughs> it, it was
1: it was a it fun was, episode sure from what fine. i remember
0: yeah didn't but, phil didn't you get clobbered over the the head with a sign that, that was me that was you yeah cole, cole cabana who's a wrestler
2: clobbered you over the head with a with the cinema jaw sign
1: and that was, was not staged, staged.
2: If this was me, I would. I definitely must have gone to the hospital and forgotten it because I don't. I, maybe
1: I did still get clobbered because I don't remember Ryan getting hit either. No, I remember we had that cinema jaw sign, and I, I. What the thing I remember about it is that uh, Colt asked if he could come out with the sign, and I was like, "Oh yeah, fine." Then we said we would introduce him because he's a professional wrestler. We would introduce him like wrestler wrestlers get introduced, thinking this is funny. He comes out, doesn't tell me he's going to, and just whacks me over the head with a sign. <laughs> this is how the podcast starts. Like, what the hell?
0: Oh, uh, it, was, it was funny for me, you know? Like, I, I still need to get my revenge for you clotheslining me, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a thought. But, uh, Jawheads, we will uh, be back the week after. But we got to have a summer break in here every once in a while. Hey, man, we work hard yeah, at the show. We like our barbecues, too, Jawheads.
2: Remember that.
0: Yes. Remember that.
2: Yes. So many times we like double up and we
0: we never leave the jaw heads hanging. But, you know, once in a while we take a break. It's yeah. kinda,
1: you don't want to burn out. You know, this is true. This is true. All right. That was yeah. everything in the fish tank. That's all we got, baby. All right. Jump back in there, Phil. Thank you.
0: All right, Ryan. Extraction two. And no, I'm not talking about your latest trip to the dentist. Back in April of 2020. 20- <laughs> That's a good one, right? Back in April of 2020, remember that? The whole world was upside down. Suddenly, we were recording the podcast via this new thing called Zoom, and no one was seeing anything in the theaters. Who knew when we would again? It was into this hellscape that an action film entitled Extraction was born. It starred Chris Thor Hemsworth. And while I don't remember it all that well, I remember that it was highly decent with some good humor and great action, with a decent dose of heart, and was one of the better straight-to-streaming pandemic films of that year. A minor surprise hit, if you will. Three years later, the pandemic has been officially declared over. Do we still need a shoot-em-up type escape? Now that we can go to the theater to see an action movie on the big screen, can a stay-at-home Netflix movie blow us out of our seats? Can Extraction 2 have anything at all to do or say that wouldn't feel cheesy and gratuitous. Ryan and I fired up the big N to find out.
1: Go. But you survived. You fought your way back. You just have to find out why. For these arms. We got a contract.
0: Here's the synopsis, Rye. It's quite simple. Back from the brink of death, Commando Tyler Rake, played by Hemsworth, embarks on a dangerous mission to save a ruthless gangster's imprisoned family. Raya, I have a lot of positive things to say about this movie, so I'd like to begin with what you didn't like about Extraction 2.
1: Whoa. Whoa, you want to start with a negative? Yeah, because right. I feel like we're going to heap on the praise, so let's get the bad stuff out of the way. Okay. I don't like to talk negative right away, but I'll, I'll do it if that's what you want, Matt. I think what holds me back on these Extraction movies is... And I do like them. So I, I'm I'm even gonna let the jawheads know now. I am positive on this. But I don't connect emotionally to the characters involved in extraction. Chris Hemsworth and his team, I don't I don't gel with them. I don't um I just don't connect in, in a way that I'm I'm rooting in any way for the characters that much. Interesting. As much as I as much as I appreciate the action on screen. I don't feel like I'm rooting for the characters like I do in other films. I watch them and I am entertained. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you said you don't remember the first film very much. I remember liking it. And I remember that there's really well choreographed uh, scenes that start at an uh, a, a apartment complex. In yeah, there.
0: that chase was great.
1: But I'm foggy about the characters. And I, I think that goes back to not connecting to this emotionally. That's why I think I don't remember all that much about extraction, the first extraction to begin with. I I think we're missing that connection as as well made as these films are. Well, I got to
0: disagree with you a little bit. I actually thought that they dialed up the emotion uh, two clicks, exactly two clicks this time around. Hemsworth is a good enough actor with just enough emotional range to give us a believable damaged soul so when the emotional beats do hit i felt them i felt the the love and the trust that he has with his team i felt the grief that he feels when people um when he loses people throughout the movie uh and at the end the emotional payoff for me had weight had gravity because largely because of hemsworth and the rest of the cast to boot but i i thought that he
1: he brought the goods See I I not at all. I mean the exact opposite for me to be completely honest. I I watch these movies I'm completely involved in the film as far as like, you know, shocked actually with how much work and practice must have went into some of these scenes because they're so well choreographed from the camera movement to hundreds of extras to uh, Hemsworth in, in the fight scenes. Excellent. Everything across the board, like, wow, top-notch stuff. And I, I end the movie, and I'm like, you know, if it, it hit me emotionally, I'd, I'd be like, wow, these are some incredible movies. These are like Jason Bourne. These are like John Wick. I, but I'm not, I'm not I'm willing quite that. yet. I'm not willing quite yet to put the, the extraction movies on that level, simply because I don't connect like I do to the, the characters in those other films.
0: I would say this is going to be an unpopular thing not as good as born agree with you doesn't quite have the emotional gravity of a born but i kind of connected with this a little bit more than john wick and it's interesting to make that, this comparison because the wick series is is are these movies spiritual siblings they're both directed by a stuntman turned director um and they're, they both have really stylized action sequences, but the difference is the Wick universe got so top heavy and cartoonish and unbelievable and disconnected from our reality that it was still really fun to visit, and I had a blast with those movies, especially the third one, which I think is the best of the series, Parabellum. But it 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 they left me, you know, feeling like okay, that was fun, but it wasn't real. The extraction movies are, are set in a world much more closely resembling our own world. Like when, when an attack happens in a high rise downtown in a, in a city, police show up. Characters go to jail after their, you know, fight scenes and stuff like that. It's it's much more grounded. And for that, it, I connected with it more.
1: Hmm. That that's interesting. I I do know what you mean as far as the world. Uh, being much closer to resembling our own, and I, I appreciate that as much. I I do think, um, boy, I can't even remember the name of that movie. Oh, the Gray Man with yeah, that was um, fun. Who, who was the star? And yeah, it was Gosling. Yeah, um, yeah, the Gray Man. Also, it was one of these kind of films, very similar. And and I remember having an issue with that, in the sense that it it's like it's it's too big. There's too many people. Uh, dying and right. the action and sequences train. are right. It's just so over the top that it, it can't happen. Right? It, it just—it's unbelievable. But this didn't um, feel that
0: way. I thought
1: I do agree with that, but that doesn't mean necessarily that I connected with the characters emotionally. Fine. All right, fair I, enough. I, I do believe I do believe that you're right. That there, it's it resembles our world more, but I, that doesn't mean I, I connected myself emotionally to the characters any more than the other ones.
0: Uh, is this is this? A franchise we're hoping to see a third out of. They do strongly hint now that there's been a second that there will indeed be a third, but it's just a yeah. hint. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I we talked about Netflix looking for their their franchise. It seems uh, like I think m- when,
0: maybe they found it here.
1: Yeah, and and you know, it's this and it's the Enola Holmes. Yeah. There there's no doubt there's gonna be another Enola Holmes, which is is great, I think, for for Netflix. And I think they'll definitely be a, a third extraction film. I'm okay with it too. Again, I just wish I cared about these characters a little bit more. However, however, the filmmaking, and, and if we could talk about these action Let's sequences, uh, a little bit, cause the filmmaking is really top notch here. And, and I, I uh, am absolute sucker for really well choreographed and filmed action sequences where, you know, exactly what's going on. And this film has plenty of it. Um, this there, is Sam, some,
0: Sam Hargrave is the director and the Russo brothers penned this film.
1: Right, the Russo brothers are, are involved, obviously, yes. There's some really great long takes with, I mean, tons of action going on. And I'm I'm a sucker for those. Like, Because then you know how much they must practice where everybody has to be, where the camera has to go. It's always uh, a fluid motion. And they they pull it off. The train Meticulously, sequence. it's 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 great. So, yeah, uh,
0: there, there's there's a sequence where he pops, he, they're they're escaping in a train and he he attacks a helicopter with a with a 50 caliber machine gun, one of these belt fed machine guns, and it's just it's it's breathtaking. And then like, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's it's an extended action sequence on a train. The whole thing was it worked for me in a big big way.
1: And yeah. then some w- of the
0: fight scenes are amazing, just as good as anything John Wick has to offer.
1: I, I, I agree. It, it's funny because he doesn't use a handgun here very much. And I think that's probably on purpose because if he was using a handgun, it would be too wicky. Too, too John Wicky because he, he uses a machine gun here instead in most of his scenes. And then obviously in a. Knife. You know, yeah, and a knife and then some hand-to-hand combat, much like John Wick does. But if all of a sudden he picked up a pistol and he was he was doing the same thing that he was doing with the machine gun, we'd be like, well, Jesus, this is John Wick. It's literally the same exact thing. But for some reason, he goes machine gun and it's like slightly different. And, and he's more military-esque than John Wick. There are slight differences here. He right. seems to have more of the, the military background. But if I'm absolutely stunned by a scene, I mean shocked, how about how they lifted... The training sequence from Rocky 4, where Rocky is in Russia <laughs> in the in the snow, it which is that, one of our favorite. It, it it's one of our favorite close. montages of of all time. Is Rocky training in Russia? There is a scene where okay, Chris Hemsworth was near death at the end of the the first extraction, but he survived. But near death, he could barely walk. He's in a hospital. They show him. I mean, he's he's in rehabilitation. He barely intubated. can put one yeah. one foot over the other. Finally gets to like a, a cabin I think it's the same cabin that Rocky stayed at in Rocky 4. I'm not positive, but possibly. <laughs> and he starts to do outdoor stuff, like Rocky. and this is how Just he chop, gets his chopping strength wood, bag. pushing boulders on a
0: sled.
1: Oh my goodness. I mean, that was literally lifted right out of Rocky 4, and I couldn't be happier for it. I thought that was hysterical, and, and I enjoyed it, having a little bit of Rocky Four in my extraction.
0: It didn't. It didn't occur to me that it was very rocky, but uh, it was satisfying. It was oddly satisfying, and now I know why. So good. Good on <laughs> you. Good observation.
1: But yes, the the fight scenes fantastic. So my jaw dropping moment, if we we're going to go on, I, yeah, I see it. we got a bullet. We got a bullet point that you, you have. I I want to push till the end of the review, and okay. that's should of it. Should Extraction Two have come out in the theater?
0: Yeah. Let's talk about it, but go ahead and okay. do your jaw-dropping moment.
1: Put a pin in that one, and let's put that at, at the end of the review because I let's I pull the pin have, on that one. I, yeah, I have It'll some heavy thoughts. It'll explode later. On it. Go ahead. My jaw-dropping moment actually takes place right before your train sequence. In in theory, there actually it's actually one long, absolutely awesome action sequence that I would say I didn't have a, a stopwatch on me. But if I was taking a guess, it is about twenty to twenty-five minutes of non-stop action. It ends with the train sequence. But that that entire thing starts with what extraction is about. Extraction is getting somebody out of a dangerous area. And in this case, they're trying to get somebody out of jail. And that jail sequence, uh, at first it seems to be going pretty well, and they're not noticed, and they're hoping not to be noticed. But guess what? The alarm sounds, and all kinds of people are after them. And there is a fight scene. With literally hundreds of extras, hundreds, and there, there's so much action going on, it, it the long take reminded me of what they were going for in Atomic Blonde, with Charlize Theron getting thrown around the stairs and that long, you know, fist fight uh, see, sequence. There's clearly some cuts when when characters move in front of the camera. I can see where they sort of cheated, but it's supposed to give you the idea that this is like one long, twelve minute. You know, fight scene of them trying to come out of the prison. Uh, then obviously they eventually make their way to the train. But that prison sequence, top-notch action, man. Whew.
0: Hell yeah, no arguments. R- really, all the action in the movie. There wasn't a single part where I was like, "Eh, that wasn't so good." I liked it all. I really did. Uh, my drop-dropping moments was the the Hilo fight from the from the train. So uh, why don't we just switch right to movie poster quote.
1: All right. Movie poster quote I went with. What I extracted was an entertaining two hours that lacked emotional connection.
0: Man, it's sad that you didn't get that emotional connection. I did. My movie poster quote was both a throwback and a fresh take that reminds us that the action genre has fight left in it.
1: bit long. One of your long ones. Yeah, Yeah, one of your long ones. It's okay.
0: I get a blurb. I, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, they give me a whole blurb <laughs> on the back of the poster.
1: I love it. I'm going two and a half Jaws wow. for Extraction 2. So I am positive on this one.
0: I, I'm going you're... three. I'm going three wow. Jaws. I liked it. I liked it So allows. you're
1: all in on Extraction. You're definitely looking forward to Extraction 3 then.
0: I am looking forward to Extraction 3. This is... Listen, if you're a fan of action movies, and let's talk about the theater too. If you're a fan of action movies... This is top-notch. It's right up there with a John Wick. Uh, I, I think anybody who's a fan of those films would really like Extraction. So should ha- it have been in a theater?
1: Okay. So I have major thoughts on this. And and so I, I needed a little bit more time to talk about this. Should have Extraction 2 been in the theater? Yes, the answer is. For for guys like me that like the big screen experience, one, it would have been nice to see all of that work that was done on on. Extraction Two on a bigger, the biggest screen I can see it on. I, I would have appreciated feeling that.
0: those explosions in the Dolby Atmos theater. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I, my reason I wanted to put a pin in this and talk about it now is, is the larger uh, issue that I think Netflix has on its hands here. Here, Netflix seemed to be the absolute giant, and it's so interesting how things have swung here. Um, the way we feel about the theater experience uh, versus streaming, streaming versus theater, with the pandemic and we were doing the podcast we said it here when everything started going to streaming and then warner brothers announced that they were going to do a full year of streaming and in theater at the same time to see if that worked there was all this stuff and and we had discussions on it we said well it's sort of the end of the the big theater experience everything's going this way it's all about streaming what we didn't see coming was when we came out of the pandemic and warner brothers announced that hey And Disney was doing the same thing. And both Warner Brothers and Disney said that wasn't a viable option. It's not working. And they'd done polls and they realized that people actually value streaming a movie that played in the theaters more so than something that was made directly for the streamer. There's something about the you know oh this was big it was playing in the theater now we yeah. want to see this movie for the people that didn't get a chance parents that have kids whatever the reason um and and they want to watch it at home as opposed to being something that is made just for streaming and at this time uh at all the studios now when you see a, a trailer it'll end or it'll say at one point only in theaters. It's a sell point now. It's a big movie. It's almost like this puts it in a new category. It's a theater movie. It's not a streaming movie. It's a theater movie. It's it's another little tactic to get you excited. And Netflix already was just fighting this the whole time. And I think they're almost in some ways, in some ways getting left behind and becoming the um, the streamer that's doing the direct-to-DVD or direct-to-digital movies in a way except this Uh, isn't that this movie no this was not that i'm not saying i'm saying the perception of it though Uh, i agree so so to give jawheads an idea here these big studios warner brothers disney they'll release anywhere between like uh you know eight and 15 movies a year netflix is releasing 50 movies this year we do this podcast every single week i'm behind the scenes in charge of sort of looking at what movies to review off the top of my head. I think this is the second Netflix movie of the entire year that we've talked about. I believe you're correct. And the first one was the pale blue eye back in like January or February. Right. When nothing, I don't know what the crap is. And I look, Matt, I look at this every week. Is there a Netflix movie we should look at? And then I look, who is this? What is this movie? And in my mind, I'm like, my God, they're becoming the director. digital platform like it's it's like i don't even think of going to like ooh, what's the new netflix movie this was big don't get me wrong and mainly because we saw extraction the first one right and everybody remembers it problem on uh, on their hands i do
0: too i i think that uh if we do see an extraction three it'll probably come out in the theater like why wouldn't they put it out in the theater i I get it that's not their platform but they still make money as the studio and then they will get more eyes on them on the stream
1: I, I agree. So so here, I, I actually, I've thought about this, and, and here were a couple of ideas that I had. If if somebody working for Netflix is listening to this podcast.
0: They listen. Oh, yeah, man. The CEO listens.
1: So a couple of things. One, they always have to lean into the film festivals because that gets some buzz. If they play, like, in the early part of the year. Right. in theaters. Get at least, yeah, get at least four or five movies at Sundance. It gets some buzz. It gets, you know, people talking about it, and then those come out in the following weeks. And then obviously we do that at the end of the year with Toronto and, and so forth but they also do this uh, event that they call Tadum, which is supposed to be the sound that it makes when the Netflix uh, app pulls up todum okay so they call it their todum event and they do it somewhere and I don't know exactly what it is all involved but they basically play like previews. Throw it away, Netflix, and and change it up to this. This is what I would suggest. Go to your 10 or 15 biggest markets in the country right around like May when you got all these movies. Because if they're not going to put them in in theaters, they seem to be against this. At least do this. Go to your 10 to 15 biggest markets and do basically like a Netflix festival where they play four movies and they invite the critics and, and press from those markets and then also fill the theater with... Fans. Uh, subscribers and, and fans and get everybody tweeting and buzzing about it. A lot of critics like me, you would go on there, Rotten Tomatoes, people would start talking about it. At least it makes those movies feel like they're actual movies, you know what I mean? Like they've played in a festival, they've played in uh, theaters where people are seeing them and talking about them. And I think that would help people then be excited and know about their films a little bit more than than just popping on Netflix and being like, what is this? Should we watch it? You know.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, man, I don't say this often, but that was a good idea, Ryan. That's a really good so, idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I it's it's like you you thought that through a little bit.
1: It, I did, and and one other thing that they could do that they did do last year with uh, Glass Onion, the Knives Out movie. Glass Onion played for one week. They actually promoted right. it very heavy, and they did like a 10-day, they called it a 10-day theatrical run around Thanksgiving. So do that again around Thanksgiving, and then that came out at the end of the year. Like, it gave a reason to go see it. Like, I have Netflix, but you know what? I can see it a month early in the theater. But do that also around, say, the 4th of July. They have this uh, movie coming out with uh, Gal Gadot, Um Heart of Stone, I think it's called. Also going to be one of these kind of action movies. Play it for 10 days around the, the 4th of July and then have it come out on Netflix in August. You know, stuff like that where it's, oh, okay, it was a theater movie and now it's on Netflix. That I think it would really help than just putting it on the streamer. Are you listening, Netflix? Take, in, take notes. Take notes. There you go. I, that, I, that's why I wanted to save it at the end. I, I had a rant. Yeah. I'm off my soapbox.
0: Jeez, man. Could have saved that for the next time you won a cinema war.
1: <laughs> All right, Extraction 2 is playing on Netflix. If you see it, Jawhead, let's know what you think. Let's play some trivia. Let's I've, end this I've one. I've been waiting. It's, we're going into summer summer vacation where we're off for a week, and I want Matt not to be stumped. I don't want him you know, pissed off, so I hope you, I hope you do well here, Matt. All right, hopefully you, you threw me a couple of softballs. Let's go. I actually didn't. We're talking Harrison Ford. I figured I got to make these tough. Harrison Ford movie trivia. Matt needs three or more not to be stumped. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Question one. How many Oscar nominations does Harrison Ford have? Zero, one, two, or five? Mm. Zero, one, two, or
0: five. Okay. Harrison Ford. Wow. I got to imagine he's got at least one. So that's my guess. One.
1: That is correct. He has been nominated one time for lead actor in Witness. Yep. Yep. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. Matt is on the board. One question, one question correct. Number two, Matt. Harrison Ford starred in one film directed by Robert Zemeckis. It co-starred Michelle Pfeiffer. Name the film. We did a whole month celebration, a whole month celebration of Robert Zemeckis. Final answer. Working girl. Regarding Henry. Uh, Okay, one more guess. Melanie Griffith. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. We're looking for what lies beneath.
0: Yeah. I was thinking Mm. Melanie Griffith for some weird reason. All right,
1: go on. Damn it, damn it. Matt is one for two. Question three. Harrison Ford appears in two... Okay, I I meant to preface this question with don't just blurt out an answer. Think about it, Okay. okay? All right. Harrison Ford appears in two films directed by George Lucas. Only two. Name them both. Don't blurt it out. Think about it. Okay. So, George Lucas
0: and Steven Spielberg collaborated on the Jones movies.
1: Yes. This is directed by George Lucas. American Graffiti. That is correct.
0: And directed shit. What's the other one? Oh, wait, directed by George Lucas, uh, A
1: New Hope. He nailed it. Star Wars, A New Hope, and American Graffiti. I thought it was sort of a trick question. It, it is, because, because he doesn't because, direct
0: Empire Strikes Back.
1: And he doesn't direct Return of the Jedi, and he doesn't direct any of the obviously later films that uh, The right. Force Awakens. So. And he doesn't direct The Indiana Jones. I thought it was tricky. It is tricky, right. definitely. Not American Graffiti, for you got to
0: give me props for that
1: one. Yep, yep. Matt is two out of three, so he only needs one more correct. Question four, Matt. Harrison Ford appears in one film directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Name the movie.
0: Wow. Harrison Ford, Francis Ford Coppola. I wonder if there's any familial uh, relation there, Ford and Ford Coppola. Because I don't think it's his middle name. I think it's like a a hyphenated last name. I could be wrong. You're wrong. Am I? Um. It's not. That was Ridley Scott.
1: Who directed?
0: I don't your know. Best,
1: I, your best bet is the thing of a Francis Ford Coppola movie.
0: Um, this is a tough one apocalypse now
1: we're looking for the conversation oh yeah dude i gotta watch that movie i've never seen it very that was a tough one so it comes down to this last question he needs this correct not to be stumped here we go matt hopefully i wrote this question so that you understand it here we go besides star wars and indiana jones harrison ford stars in two other sequels and, and by sequels I mean he was in the first film and the sequel like in both movies. I understand what a sequel is okay yeah. but I mean he starred in the original and the sequel got it he, he did this in two other uh, instances not Indiana Jones and Star Wars name either one of those instances just one? yeah Blade Runner okay yeah any guess on the second one?
0: Um, no <laughs> I'm really glad I came up with Blade Runner
1: um, it was the Jack Ryan series, The, pa- uh, oh, the Patriot yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Clitter and Present Danger. Yep. That's it. Wow. It's funny because he seems like Mr. Sequel, you know, because he's in these big franchises like Indiana Jones and Star Wars. But then after that, it's really just Blade Runner and the Jack Ryan. That's it. Yeah. All the rest are one-off movies. Did you ever see Regarding Henry? Never. I like that movie. I, I need to catch up with a few uh, Harrison Ford. In fact, uh, he was in The Mosquito Coast, which was turned into uh, a series on Apple TV. I've never seen the movie. It's Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford, and this must have been, like, mid-'80s. And it's playing on 35 millimeter at the Gene Siskel Film Center next week. And oh, wow. I was planning planning to go see it. I'm going to hit up uh, Rebecca Fonz and say... Uh, I'll be over there. Nice. You know? Yeah, let me know so, what you think, man. Maybe I'll try yeah. to join you or something. Check it out. So, Matt was not stumped this week. You get to go on vacation a, a, a winner, Matt. I always go on vacation a winner, Ryan.
0: Whether or not I win on Cinema Jaw, I'm a winner inside.
1: You know who else is a wow. winner? Wow. Fill me in, Phil. Well, there's and something, that's who, all right. That's who. <laughs>
2: That's who we want to thank first, Phil. Oh, of course. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Happy 4th, early, of course, for you two. But happy 4th of July, Jawheads, as well. We're going to miss you guys on vacation. Well, Matt's not because Matt's a winner, but me and Ryan will.
0: (laughs) Hey, I still miss the Jawheads, man. Everybody be careful with those fireworks.
1: And the Jawheads we miss the most are Patreons. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to join us on Patreon, go over to patreon.com slash jaw. We're doing some fun things over there, and it, it really is a great way to support the show. It would mean the world to us. The other way to support the show is by leaving us a review.
0: Yeah, wherever you're listening to this, take your phone out of your pocket, click leave a review, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, because those help, and it's free, and it uh, you can tell us we suck. It's okay. Just be honest, and uh, you know we prefer five stars, but whatever you got in you, just drop a few stars. We want to hear it. Let us know, know how absolutely. to make it better.
1: That's what we want. We want to make the job better. Always. We love doing it. Always. Absolutely. Until next week, I'm Ry the Movie Guy.
0: And I'm Matt Kay. And,
1: and keep on jawing about the movies.
0: movies.